Hello and welcome to Architecture, Design and Photography. Today we are speaking with Angela Ballard, a senior interior designer at Knickerbocker Group in Portland, Maine. Ballard is a graduate of Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston. She started working in the commercial interior design industry before realizing she enjoyed designing an array of styles and projects, including residential spaces. Ballard has worked at firms in Boston, Cape Cod, and Washington, D.C. However, she prefers the ease and life found in Maine's coastal communities. Maine's a good place to be, just in case you didn't know. Uh, she completed her NCIDQ exam and lead accreditation to further her knowledge of interior and sustainable design best practices. Our interview today is sponsored by Maine Home Design. Don't miss Bollard's design theory in the upcoming January-February interior design issue of Maine Home Design. Thank you for coming into the studio today, Angela, who will be here in lickety-split like a... Angela, welcome to Architecture, Design, and Photography. How are you doing on this lovely day? Wonderful. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's... Uh, it's been an interesting two years with COVID and everything else, but um, it's been a really good year for photography for us. We actually got uh, Dwell, Record, and Digest this year, which is kind of the first. I just realized that this last week, so that's kind of cool. Um, that's awesome. Love to start out a podcast with bragging. So, <laughs> <laughs> Got to get it in there somewhere. Got to get it in there somewhere, right. <laughs> Um, so how's, how, how are you doing? How's Knickerbocker doing in this current climate with this changing way that people work and everything else? Yeah, we're doing great. Um, we're extremely busy, which is helpful. I haven't talked to a single architectural firm that's not crazy busy. Yeah. And at the beginning of it, I remember talking to, I think, Jesse of Calvin Thompson at the beginning, and no one knew what was going to happen with the entire industry. So everyone said yes to everything. Right. And then it, it, I don't think many people predicted that uh, the stay at work from home thing would quite turn into what it has as far as people realizing we don't have to work exactly like we used to. This is so changing everything. And that change, especially with residential architects, has been an extreme uh, in, influx of work and everything else. The only, the only, downturn in work I've had in clients hearing about their situation has just been a like one or two commercial clients but not any huge degree still like I think we've shot one project that when we shot it it was empty and it's still empty just because everyone's working from home so I kind of wonder if larger scale commercial buildings will become kind of like quaint dinosaurs in a way yeah and will be repurposed to some degree I don't know but yeah, so. Yeah, it worked out in our favor, really, with the working from home um, and transitioning to a new office at the same time. Yeah. How so? so? Well, as we were transitioning, we realized that our office was probably too small for the amount of employees that we had. And, mm -hmm. You know, COVID was a little bit of a slow time for us, but very brief. Right. Picked up pretty fast. and We were hiring people. So um, we didn't have enough seats in our Portland office, but it's worked out fine because we have remote workers, we have shared desks, shared workstations. Um, so we've just created a totally different schedule than we would have ever thought about two years ago, but right. 
Now, Knickerbocker was previously and probably still is located uh, mid-coast. And, and you guys have just moved into starting a Portland no, office as well? we've had a Portland office for 10 years. Okay. Um, so you, you kind of upsized essentially? Yeah, we or? were renting in an older building and it wasn't the best layout or location for us. So this was our move to kind of get it right and find more space. We have a studio in Booth Bay, which is um, essentially a place for the interior designers to work out of, mm -hmm. showcase some of our furniture. So we wanted to have that accessibility in Portland as well. So we were looking for more space, um, just a different kind of environment. Yeah. And so were you designing and building out that during the start of COVID? We started in January. Oh, in January and then yeah. March came around yeah. and everything got real. Yeah. And when did, when did you guys finish that out? Um, we finished late spring, early summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we kind of got to a point where it was workable for us, and then we finished things out. As, since we had such a small group working in the office, there was about five of us throughout the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to do a lot of the work while people were still working in the office. Right. So it took us about five or six months. Which, by the way, great space. We worked with you guys in photographing it uh, mm -hmm. this past summer, and really happy with how all those images came out. Was, yeah, I am too. It's great. It's a, very, very nicely designed space. And, and that leads into a, a primary thing that we want to talk about is this resumercial idea. And it's interesting to, to bring that up because one of my better clients brought me on years ago because of my experience with residential interiors that they wanted to translate into giving that same feel in some way to their commercial projects. But talk me through a little bit about what, what resumercial kind of means to Knickerbocker and where you guys are going with that and why you decided to go that way. Yeah, um, it's kind of evolved um, over time because of COVID, but our first initial concept was we want to showcase what we can do, which is residential construction. Mm -hmm. We want to showcase the products that we sell um, and just the construction methods and the quality and attention to detail. Mm -hmm. So we didn't you know, uh, quick interruption. I'm great sure. at interrupting people, by the way, <laughs> um, that because I've often seen that that lack of transition of handmade uh, attention to detail and quality from residential projects into commercial projects. Commercial projects to me seem to usually be picking from a bin of parts that they then assemble. And there's a few commercial projects that I'll interact with where I'll see, wow, that someone actually took the time to do more of a residential approach to this commercial project. And it's that much more incredible because of it, but it's not often that you see that. Yeah, it's a little bit of a unique approach, I think, because we're a residential firm. You know, I've designed for other companies in the past, Bank of America, Google, their office spaces where they were very welcoming with leaning on the architects and the designer to apply those concepts and attention to detail. Mm -hmm. But you really need the right client that's going to let you select and choose and put your eye on it and be part of the entire process from start of schematic design through construction. So is it typical with commercial clients that they're a little more, I don't know, for lack of a better word, bossy in what they want, <laughs> essentially? Sometimes, yeah, it depends. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I would have I thought that it would be more hands-off. Like they'd have an idea and they'd be saying, 
here's here's roughly our idea, but we're going to pay attention to making money over here, kind of do what we thought about here and surprise us to a degree. Yeah, I mean, I think I've been lucky to work with a lot of clients that really trusted the design process and mm-hmm. wanted that inclusive in their projects. What what do you prefer for a client as far as their level of involvement? Would you rather them be extremely hands-off or extremely involved? I think more involved in terms of maybe it's more challenging, but it's also more fun. Yeah. Um, years ago when we started designing for Google, when I worked in Boston, we had a day-long charrette with the employees, select employees to come in mm. and put up their pictures on the wall and write inspiration. So, I mean, it was truly like an employee designed space from the start. You know, we took their concepts and translated it, but it was just, it was more fun. It was more um, innovative. You felt more invested from all sides. I think imagine, it really turns out to be a better project in the end. Yeah, I'd imagine that'd be very empowering empowering for the individuals that are actually working at the space to see, you know, a percentage of a, of their idea come to fruition in the space that they're actually in and that they can point yeah. to and say, a little bit of that was my idea, and that's super right. cool. That shows a lot of trust and value by the employer in their employees to put them in that spot. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. But uh, I, I would imagine the... Uh, the level of involvement that I have when I do what I do is is only increased when the client is highly involved and and our most dialed in precise results come with you know an extremely uh, involved client, which is always really great to work with for me. It's it's more tiring, it's more difficult, exactly, more exhausting, yeah, yeah. but the result is far better. Yeah. So, yeah. But. I think everyone's happier in the end. And right. <laughs> I mean, there's just more pride in it. In the right. end result. Ownership, yeah. pride, and uh, more specifically tailored, the voice come of the client comes through more. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you you channel that in a in a in a more accurate, tailored response to what they're looking for. So Yeah, and personally, I mean that was one of the fun parts of designing our office is we had a team mm-hmm. and we all take pride took pride in the end result and so how did how did that process go with your own designing your own office? Because you as the designers being in that space are the client and the designer. Yeah. So it's kind of like you've been there given just little, free reign. There was a little stumbling block because it's like who who takes responsibility, who takes the lead? Uh-huh. Um, how often does the lead run things by the others? And mm-hmm. it was challenging, but I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what what level of involvement and everything were you in in there? That was kind of the bridge between um, like our executive and lead designers, the construction department, and project like the project manager. How are we going to get this done? Right. What do we spend money on? What don't we? Where do we spend more time or less time? Um, I kind of set the tone for the design, but there was a lot of other people also working on the concepts with me and sure. execution. Hmm. That must be a that must be a very fulfilling thing to see something like that come to fruition, being involved with something for so long. It was. So yeah. many dollars, so much time and everything right. else. And then you see it complete. It's always my I'm I'm always so lucky to just come in at the end when everyone's kind of like, Yay, we're done. Let's make <laughs> it pretty. And it, I'm I'm fairly lucky. We in had that a sense. Um, virtual employee tour because 
we finished in June, July, and was not everyone was still able to be together. So that was really fun to tour everybody through, nice. even though it was on the iPad, but you know, just to showcase what we had done and sure. it was a really exciting time. So, uh, we had a, I, I interrupted you and I'm trying to get us back on track, but I can't remember where you were at when I interrupted you, <laughs> uh, talking resumercial, um, but how, how, how were the specific ideas of what resumercial is to you applied to your office there in Portland? So walk me through exactly mm -hmm. kind of what would deem something resumercial rather than just simply commercial. Right. So, I mean, first it stemmed from what do we want to display as a company, which I touched on earlier. Mm -hmm. And then how do we want the employees to really feel in the space? Um, so we want to create comfortable spaces that may have the essence of home or feel of home, bring in certain elements. Um, we brought in a lot of residential lighting, lamps, plants, just to kind of create a different feel. Mm -hmm. um, natural light definitely is an important piece that often gets forgotten in sometimes commercial spaces. Right. Um, so that was important to us. And we were lucky enough to find a building that had large windows. So that was great. But um, within that, we did also design the space to re like around the natural light so that everybody could experience it. Um, our kitchen area is not only luxurious, but kind of feels like home and just having small amenities to help. So you know, we have right. plenty of refrigeration space and um, areas to have snacks and drinks. Uh, an interesting question for me would be, why was there ever the distinction between a commercial feel and a residential feel? And why as as, as a current society and design trends and everything else, why are we incorporating a more residential feel into a commercial setting? Like it would seem like, no, that that's what home is supposed to feel like. Why are we trying to make a commercial space feel like home? Won't that reduce productivity, blah, blah, blah. Like, and what was the previous idea of a commercial space just with cubicles and fluorescent lights and just be here, get your work done and then go home. Like, Right. What's the what's the philosophy and idea there, you think? Um, well, we, we often find that people actually are more focused and more engaged if they're more comfortable at work. If you can take a break from your desk and go sit at a different seat. Um, we have some banquettes in our office mm. and lounging, um, some other comfortable furniture, just kind of getaway spots. So that you have a moment to sometimes you just need a break from that one spot that you're at, right? Your sure. desk. And, you know, the original commercial design that you might think of for offices. I think it was really based on efficiency and cost mm -hmm. and materials and products have come such a long way from then, you know, lighting, for example, all you would think about is the cool fluorescent lighting in an office because that was the least expensive option. But mm. now there are light bulbs in any color. So right. You can change that effect. Um, let's see what else. Um, <clears throat> have you guys ever worked with, um, what's it called when, people can sit wherever they want every single day. It kind of changes. We shot a project mm -hmm. for Huntsman Group like in Boston. Like a mobile workspace type of thing. Yeah, like it was essentially that a laptop and they would just plug it in wherever they wanted to and there was essentially no paper in the office. Mm. And uh, it, it, to me, if I were to imagine myself going to work at a place like that, it would feel nice because in, in some ways I thrive off of change and mm -hmm that running from that consistent 
rhythm every day is is something that I've always done. There's there's something about not getting too comfortable that keeps me going. But yeah, I would say it's 50-50 in our offices. A lot of us, um, you know, we have a lot of selections to make materials. So we often kind of get bogged down at our desk with those type of things. Right. We need them to work. But um, there are some other folks who share desks, so they keep it pretty minimal. We have a few touchdown stations as well. So there's like, there's nothing there, but you know, a phone. Now what's so a touchdown any, station? Like someone who works remotely and yeah, someone who works in Booth Bay, they often come down to Portland for one day a week or once every two weeks. So they yeah. have options for where they want to sit, but it's a smaller workspace. that still has everything that you would need for connectivity plugging in. Is there a favorite office space in the office that you found that you have to try and like, Oh, if I get there early, I'm taking that today. <laughs> Yeah, so there's one side of the building that gets that afternoon light the best, and usually you find people sitting there. It's along the kitchen area wall or the conference room. Hmm. Do people gravitate towards being in natural light, like actually being hit by it, or like on the boundary of it, or completely in natural away from light it? for the most actually, part? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're in a northern climate, so it's not going to fry you too badly no, most of the yeah. time. So. Interesting. But that side of the office is usually more full than the other. Hmm. Now, what got you interested in Resumercial personally? I mean, well, I said I started in commercial design, doing office spaces, and it was kind of on the verge of, I don't even think Resumercial really had a name at that point, but mm -hmm. employees were starting to put a little bit more into the workspace to keep um, their workers happy. So better break rooms, the more comfortable furniture, higher end finishes. Um, you know, Google's a totally different animal, but they just wanted somewhere fun where their employees could, they, they want their employees to be able to work any hour of the day, as long as they want, whenever they want. So if they need to Ping go take a break, tables take and... a nap at work, then they can. It's a little extreme. I used um, to take naps at work. That was, that was frowned upon back then. <laughs> yeah. When your guy's stocking a grocery sh shelf is sleeping in his car, that's not a good, good look. So, yeah. <laughs> so then, you know. What's kind of evolved nicely out of our office, too, is with COVID, people were used to working from home. Maybe you're sitting on your sofa taking a phone call. You're in the kitchen. You're at the kitchen island working on your laptop while you have a snack. I mean, there's spaces in our office where you could feel the same way. You could sit at the island in the break room, work on your laptop. Right. You could, um, you know, relax on a sofa. So it's it's kind of really just geared toward like employee satisfaction in our case it's twofold because we're able to showcase our residential products right and also have the experience of that home space hmm. yeah and i mean uh, i mean that's a obvious huge business write-off for an architectural firm is that you gotta make a really good office here and that's okay <laughs> it's yeah. a good thing to walk yeah. people through um how is this approach particularly relevant now as many navigate a return from remote work into in-person work? Yeah, that's sort of what I just touched on. I mean, it's kind of bridging that gap. Do you um, think you guys will go back to 100% uh, working from the office or has this time of COVID really given you uh, a, a different vision of how the office will work? I mean, I'm not sure. I think time will tell. I mean, we definitely have had, the office has been a lot fuller lately. There are days when we don't have any empty desks. Mm -hmm. So people are coming back slowly. We work in a collaborative environment. So even though we have Microsoft Teams and we can Zoom and do video calls, sometimes there's nothing better than meeting a person to look at finishes and right. go over a drawing. So, I mean, for us, I think it'll always 
be somewhat 50-50. You know, our company as an ESOP, they tend to put an emphasis on family time. Um, A lot of us have children, so they're very flexible. If you need to work from home to care for your child for the day, that's fine. So we're all set up to do either remote or in-office work, which is really helpful. Hmm. Now, how have you found clients... um response to the space i don't think we've skipped a beat with the clients so they i don't even think they've noticed really yeah i mean we can do a team's call from anywhere but i mean have clients come into your new space and been like they "Mm, have can we incorporate this into our house and that (laughs) or into our business or yeah we have actually especially with our studios that's very helpful because we have a lot of products in there but you know, they trickle into the office as well. So there's chairs that are also dining chairs. There's tables that could be dining tables. Mm-hmm. Um, the kitchen cabinetry always gets a lot of conversations. Walnut slab front millworks. That's talk to been me, really popular. Talk to me a little bit about Cove. Explain that and how that works and how this also applies. I know there was a note in here about applying Resumercial to Cove, what you're doing with that as well. Right. So... We have two studios, one in Booth Bay, one in Portland. They're geared towards our interior design department and the products that we offer and the services. So they, um, anyone's welcome to come in any time. We have furniture and offerings, accessories in them. We also have our interior design libraries within the space, which is great. So we can pull out fabrics, wallpapers, put finished palettes together right there. And you walk clients through those spaces and everything yeah. as well, right? Yep. And how much of that is open to just run-of-the-mill saying, I'm person saying I need to find some drapes. Knickerbocker might be a good source to let me go look at this stuff and potentially buy it through them. Is that yeah. part of how you work as well? It is, yeah. We do huh. small and large projects. So, From just drapes to the entire yeah, thing. wallpaper or upholstering a chair. It's been a popular one now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you had kind of walked me through this, the different elements, like something that would be unique to a residential space than typically a commercial space in that it would be far more tailored and have kind of more handmade type of stuff more often, something to that effect, I'd imagine. Right. So, I mean, there are some major characteristics that from my previous commercial design that like always ring true, like wayfinding, mm-hmm. um, good circulation. I still think that's really important in a residential space. We've orientated our office so that the bathrooms and kitchens on the interior, so we can walk around that core and everyone has um, access to daylight. Um, you know, we have adjustable lighting that is high up in the ceiling and offers different light levels. Like we do have all those maybe traditional elements you would think of in a commercial space, but we've kind of put our eye on it a little bit closer. I mean, our workstations are a office furniture workstation, but we've applied different finishes to it and really put an eye toward the design that they feel more residential. They have like a wood front to them, Mm. um, fabric on the interior, towers for your personal belongings. So we've really kind of put our residential thoughts into how do we want to live in this space into every element. The lighting is very important. We have like incandescent light bulbs rather than fluorescent. Right. Um, you can get the same effect from LEDs as well, but. Yeah. Oddly, my dad prefers the very cold lights intentionally. I don't know what his problem is, but he, he can have seasonal affective disorder and he finds that the more sunlight 
balanced lights, the more blue lights. Blue lights because they're they're more like out. sunlight. Oh, yeah. I hate them. I especially hate it when people mix them. Like the kitchen will be like blue and then the living room like has an occasional yellow and then blue light. And right. We try to maintain the same color temperature. Yeah. Except for like a specialty area. It might be warmer or something. Right. But. I, uh, I was, what was it? Um, I was recently just this last week at a shoot in Boston and my assistant and all my backup assistants weren't able to make it. So my wife, who's a has her doctorate in physical therapy and is always talking in all these medical terms that I just don't understand. <laughs> I'm around it all the time. She actually came and assisted me on the shoot and she got to be around people talking in all these, oh, this is a 56K and that's a 32. And usually we're going to, and I could see her there kind of like, what's that mean? What's this about? I don't, you know, and I was like, ha, huh, now it's your turn to, that was funny, but side note. It becomes um, second nature, I know, at some point you don't remember that. Yeah, you're, you're, you pull from a different lexicon, is that the right word? Like the collection of kind of unique terms within a specialty yeah. that yes. you're talking about that, yeah, I, gr I grew up in a completely non-design, non-aesthetic, uh, creative environment not that my parents weren't aesthetic or creative or they're very very aesthetically driven but that that was not anything to do with their livelihood mm -hmm. so it was very weird for me to eventually get into like uh the the thought process of design and the philosophy behind design and and in thinking about those things and realizing you could turn it into something useful rather than uh primary focus being on like a service directly from human to human, but more so a service related towards design that is then a service to other humans. It's a, it's a weird kind of path, but <laughs> yeah, we are lucky to be able to do what we love every day. Right. And yeah. It, it's like an art project. Sometimes. Yeah. And fun. the hard, weird kind of hard thing for me is that, you know, we're essentially selling flowers this whole thing goes on without us very easily, but it's not going to be as nice and people won't be as nice to be around mm -hmm. if they're in these junky, crappy environments and there's no people with this kind of mindset working on that. It, it's definitely part of the human experience, but it's not a part of the human experience that gets entertained until you're at a, sub, like all the other bases are covered, right? You don't really get a flourishing of art until you've covered food production and safety, you know? Right. And so it, it's a, it's a weird, um, it's a weird relationship emotionally to it that it's odd that you, you can be paid for these things and make a living off of it, but you can only really, really do it well in a, in a, not an advanced society, but you have to have people with means around that appreciate it to be able to do it. So right. kind of a weird thing there. <laughs> the projects do exist though and they're so great. Yeah, yeah, and in any so society they'll they'll be there, but it's just it's lucky that we live in a country where we have a healthy enough middle class and everything else to be able to support that and to to have enough people who can be actually participate in it, which is nice. Right. So what got you into design to begin with and and how did you find out that you wanted to specialize more so in this residential space? I just have, I mean, since I was little, I always knew I was going to be an architect or interior designer. Just, really? Yeah. 
All right. What age Drew, did would, you really you know, start to know be this? Be up in the middle of the night drawing floor plans. Serious. Getting in trouble for having my light on. Yeah. Really? Like <laughs> yeah. at what age was that happening? I don't know. Probably teenager. Really? Young teenager. Yeah. That's funny because um, my friend's daughter, uh, she was probably eight or nine and she came over and I have two boys and their room with bunk beds is just, you know, <laughs> I can imagine. And she came over and she looked around and she put that room together just with the stuff we had there so well. Like I see these types of rooms put together or I see nice rooms put together all the time. That's what I do. I go and I look at them and I capture them. And I came up to my kids' rooms and I'm like, what the heck happened? You know, and they're like, De you know, my two little boys were like, Devin made our room nice, you know. <laughs> and I looked at it and I was like, you have talent. <laughs> It was, it was really amazing. Like all those stuffed animals were like placed in this aesthetically pleasing way and the beds were, you know, and it, it's, it was interesting to see that level of talent at such a young age. Mm. I know she could, she could be really, really good at it if she wanted to. But I don't That's know how it she... starts playing around at your own house or your friend's house. Yeah. Rearranging. Yeah. Setting, yeah. Setting no, I, I mean, I started out doing photography by, I was just messing around with a camera that my dad had shooting old toys of mine on my mom's dining room table when I was on break from college where I was doing uh, pre-med type stuff. I remember it was a, a little thing that was on the table and I wanted it further away, so I pushed it, but it had a screw sticking down in the bottom. So there's a big <laughs> scratch down in the middle of my mom's table after that, but whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then I um, started in commercial design just Sort of, I was in, went to school in the city in Boston and wanted to stay in that environment. And I, I loved it for a long time, but I wanted to move out of the city. Mm -hmm. And I knew I always had this curiosity about residential. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit of a leap of faith there going into it because you start at the bottom again, you know, right. when you transition fields. Um, but it was great. It was a good learning experience. I worked on Cape Cod for several years. And it's just kind of evolved over time. I mean, I've done a lot of residential projects, commercial. But the ones where you get to blend the two are really fun. Right. Now, what brought you to Maine? Was it specifically Knickerbocker or? My husband's from Portland. Mm -hmm. So he always wanted to come back here and be near his family. It's, it's interesting. I find a lot of people that come to Maine, uh, a lot of times come for specifically Maine and then make it work out. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's not as many people that I run into that say, oh, I got a job here. And so I moved. It's more so people like, well, I wanted to move to Maine, so I found a job here, which, which is interesting to me. I, I don't know why. I mean, before we knew for sure we were going to move back to Maine, I had targeted Knickerbocker Group as kind of my top place I'd want to work. So really? when I got the job, it was like set in stone for me, like I'm ready to go. There you go. Yeah, so it all <laughs> fell into place. Were you working up at their uh, mid-coast office first and then? I did work uh -huh. in Booth Bay for about a year, yeah. All right. Yeah. So how's the future look for Knickerbocker and what's got you excited in, in what you're doing beyond, beyond today? I mean, we are exploring more um, commercial projects. We have some going on right now, mainly up in the Booth Bay area. But we also have a larger, large residential projects we're working on as well. Um, a little bit, I think, of a shift in we've been doing not all, but maybe more renovation work, mm -hmm. which people are, um, they already have land or they want to 
change their house now. I mean, extensive renovations, like you could almost call it a new house. So right. those are fun as well because they're they're more challenging. You have to kind of work within sometimes a certain footprint or a certain ideal. Do you enjoy that challenge, being limited in some way? Yeah. Now, why is that, you think? It's more of the puzzle piece, I think, part of it that is fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I I recently bought a little, that little camera that's behind that bag of chips on my desk. Um, and it, it's a fixed focal length. And so you can't just zoom in or zoom out. Mm. You You have to move and compose in a completely different way than you're used to. And, and it's weird. I've paid a fair amount of money for a camera that lets me do less, <laughs> but as a creative exercise. Right. And, and I'm really enjoying it for some reason. And not to mention the camera is just, it looks really nice. And it's like an, it's like an accessory that you kind of don't mind having on you. So you just take it with you more often and you find yourself working creatively more often because of that limitation. It's taking kind of part of your experience and saying you don't you don't get to change you have to be the same the whole time and i compare this to a i i pull this idea from a ricky gervais movie where he had this concept that we evolved without the ability to lie and then he at this time of the movie was the first one to discover you could lie it was just as an as an exercise of exploring what it means to be human like all of us like everyone was just brutally honest and then he comes across this idea of like I don't have to be brutally honest. I can kind of do a white lie and be kind to someone here instead. And he starts to realize, you, you start to realize how much by watching it, how much you actually lie all the time. Oh my God. And, and it, it, to me, it was, a, it was a really interesting thing because they just pinned a part of our existence. And by taking that out of circulation or out of the ability to move, it just, boom, it's not moving, that's that. What's that do to everything else? And that in the creative process for me, by pinning that, it, it, it makes you understand what you do more, you know? Right. And maybe in the same way that working within the constraints of like, this is a renovation, we can't touch beyond the studs, let's see what we can do. Or, mm -hmm. you know, now by actually mixing things, residential and commercial, you're getting into this more, how, what are these things like when we whiz them up together a bit? <laughs> The transformation part of it too is exciting. As in the go from before, before after. after. Yeah. 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 There's uh, I've been through quite a few of those and uh, I don't like it. <laughs> no. Well, the, the level of involvement that I've been in on those okay. is more of a personal level of like, right. oh, I've got to go knock down old horsehair plaster mm. all day. And horsehair plaster makes your hands peel like, it's weird, like your hands just get all flaky and they stick to anything you touch that has any ability to be at the most micron level of Velcro, your hands become like the hard part of Velcro and they stick to things and yeah, I guess I'm a little tactile, but. <laughs> I um, don't know, I've done some personal projects too, transformations and maybe I don't do the dirty work, but I've had fun. Yeah, it, it uh, it's always neat to, to see the, potential in something and that's a comment i've gotten a lot just through those kinds of projects to to realize that just in myself that i might be someone who can see the potential of something when it comes to spaces and stuff and to realize that other people don't as much have that ability 
-hmm. Like everyone would ask me at first, like, why are you moving to Biddeford? And that's something I've asked myself a lot. I knew I did, but I couldn't quite articulate exactly why I moved here. I mean, there's, there's winter. That's a negative thing in some ways. But every negative is also a positive in some way, and every positive is also a negative in some way. And to me, Biddeford was better than Portland because there was more potential. The, the potential here was greater than the potential in Portland from where I was coming from. It was more of a blank slate. You had less overhead, less cost of living, less everything else. So the things that you wanted to focus on as far as like I can get into a house and I can turn it into what I want. I mean. The house that we bought over here in Biddeford that we first lived in, I eventually gutted every single wall on the first floor. There's no interior walls left. <laughs> I just couldn't help it. I'd get bored and I'd have to start tearing <laughs> things down to make a better space. And But it was an old chopped up kind of house that like every room could be closed off so you could heat just that room kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So. And, and I think the house still doesn't have any insulation. So that was an expensive one. But I mean, our office is actually one of maybe our best transformations, really. I imagine was, that was a public works. Yeah, building, it was right? the old public works building. And um, I got to see the space fairly raw. I had new windows, but I mean, we weren't given too much other than windows Our, you know, the ceiling. They had taken all of the interior walls. So the ceiling was natural wood, painted gray, painted white, nails. Um, the brick was painted in some areas. Mm. So it was a lot of simplifying and um, cleaning up and preserving, really, to, to begin with. Now, in the as I remember the space, there it it feel it felt like to me that there was almost a uh, a how would I say it uh, a theme in different parts of the office. Like different parts of the office had different themes almost to represent different potentials of work that you do while while being a cohesive office was that any yeah, intent I mean, there? we had our we kind of have our core that is um clad in nickel gap in that dark green color so it ties it together but we had fun the bathrooms maybe that's what you're thinking of yeah yep. we had different styles um in every bathroom like one that kind of is farmhouse one that's a little more contemporary so we had some fun there we have our large conference room where we did a big live edge table. It's actually a tree from Saco that fell down. Oh, cool. So we tried to incorporate some like stories and history in the pieces that we put in there as well. Yeah, I really liked the the conference room was really nicely done. I liked that. And also, as you said earlier, that kitchen area with that island. Really, yeah. really liked that. And then that little kind of library space around from the kitchen mm -hmm. was really nice. That had a very intimate and, and residential calm feel to it. Yeah, it's a little darker there, cozy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you felt like you kind of go yeah, there. Yeah, so, I mean, different different lighting levels and different, like, the daylight helps, and, too, just creating different spaces for people to go to based on their preferences or your mood or how you're feeling. Or hmm. it's, I think it's helped to really increase people that are interested in working in the office more. So what are what is the... What is the the thing that's pulling you forward that you're looking forward to moving into and learning more about and expanding your creativity and your work into that that you that you don't actually have a grasp on yet mm. the the stuff that you're you see ahead of you that's a challenge because you don't know everything about it that you're interested in 
and looking to utilize that as you move on. One thing I've been exploring and I, I'm still not already there and learning more about is I think it's partly because of COVID and delays and products, but we've really been trying to source and look for local resources for products. Hmm. And it just seems like every week I find something new, like um, there's a group of the Amish in Northern Maine making this beautiful furniture, you know, like we've been trying to get in touch with them and find out how we can. You just call them up on their cell phone. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more <laughs> difficult than that. Don't they have a website? <laughs> um, you know, sourcing wood flooring and stone. I mean, that will continue, but it's like you never really know what's going to be available. So it's kind of like an ever evolving research, really. Mm. So I think being part, being here in Maine and having such a large state to work with and many different resources, that's been fun for me to explore that. What do you think the uh, potential for business growth or the it seems like a commercial project would have less of a budget per square foot than a residence. And by going resmercial, you're pushing a commercial project to be a little more expensive potentially, yeah, but have probably. a lot more value to it, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so that sourcing of more regional uh, products and more regional finishes and everything else um, is more expensive, but it keeps more money in the region. It it employs more people in the region. Right. What are your thoughts on that? As far as do do you do you see that as a pretty steep uphill battle to convince potential clients there? Or the opposite. Um, clients are like extremely interested in supporting Maine, the Maine economy, local products, saving costs on freight. Right. Or being able to get your products within yeah. like six months. Yeah. We can know? drive and get the table for you. We don't have to wait for it to be shipped for eight, for eight weeks of shipping across right. the country, you know. Yeah. So it's actually been a benefit and really like a selling point, I think, for a lot of the products that someone might not select that granite. Maybe it's not like what you would envision in your mind as your preferred choice. But to know that it's quarried here, mm -hmm. made here is at a um, reasonable price. Then they're changing their mind. What are the the resources of Maine that you that you believe we have a um, kind of a hand up on a lot of other places? Like what what is it about the things that you can resource from specifically Maine that make them special and unique from other states in in some way? Um, I think it's well a little far out there, but I mean a lot of it is kind of the customer service or customer relations for mm -hmm. one. You know, that's a big part of our vendor pool is who do we have the best relationships with, who's responding, who's working with us on things. And um, we know with the local people here, like it's like unmatched compared to other places. So that's part of it. Um, the craftsmanship is, you know, usually very high quality. People are paying attention to detail. There's a lot of, I think, pride in their work and um, more like a a closer connection on like working something out together, like as a team right. versus it's done here it is. And then you see, like, oh, it's not really what I envisioned. It's like a collaborative process very often. Right. Yeah. It, um, it seems like my experience with business in Maine is that it's, it's such a intertwined and relatively small community with a high level of talent, but also if, if you're, 
shortcutting stuff, if you're not pleasant to work with, any of that, it, it's known very quickly. Yeah. It's just it is a small community. Yeah. But it's, it, it's, there's a really interesting selector involved with the quality and personality, everything else that would get someone to say, hey, I want to go live in a state that has high, you know, fairly high taxes, not the greatest winners <laughs> and not the greatest opportunities, but I can do something, right? Because mm -hmm. th there's something about individuals that want to come here by choice that makes them not harder people, but harder people in regards to pushing for it. They've, they've got more stamina, more drive, more, there's something about it. Like, yeah. you know, it's a certain type of person that's gonna hike Mount Everest or go to the North Pole or do things like that. And moving to Maine is one one millionth of that. You know, it's like, why are you going to Maine? Well, there's these opportunities, there's more creative freedom, there's more, you know, there's so much more ability, but that, added ability comes at the cost of you having to put the effort in. So you've got a collection of a lot of people that are willing to put in the work, putting in the yeah, effort. I, mean, I can only think of a handful of times anyone's ever let us down. Like it's, you know, yeah, you, you let their team anyone players just as much as we are. Yeah, that right. Right. So I was talking to a friend of mine that that is a commercial photographer out in L.A. And every time I'm out there, it just feels like you just put your hand out the window and you can grab money. Mm. It, there's so much business out there compared to here. And if you're getting business here, it, you know, you've worked for that, you know, right. that there's, it, I don't know, is it a state of far more entrepreneurs to a degree? You know, I, I would like to see the statistics on that. I wonder what that it is. That would be interesting. Yeah. So I'm just not talking about it in my butt, but. <laughs> Yes, the quality of people in Maine. That that might be a good place to end on a conversation like this because it's a great place. But <laughs> was there anything else that, that you thought we missed on on specifically that relationship of resumercial, how you got into it, why you're interested in how how it's being applied through Knickerbocker that uh, that might be part of the story that we that we've missed or. I think I think we touched on most of it. I mean, we're just trying to really create that um, environment for the user, which we're so used to creating in their home. And why not apply it to the workspace? And we're all about, you know, are our employees happy and focused? And um, so that kind of like led us to create the office that we're in now. And it's it really is like a story and kind of a testament to the company, what we've become and what we want to be. And what we can do, you know, that was part of it. So the the people that are actually using the office now is is there a, a a pretty good response from the people who actually have to come there and use it a lot now? Or yeah, I mean, I personally I could probably work at home if I wanted to, but I, I choose to go in every day. I like I like the environment. It's you know we have places for everything, so we've like thought of it all. So things are clean and organized, and everything's. There's processes and things are taken care of, and it's it's great. Well, it uh, I can personally say I've been there, and it's a <laughs> it's a it's a really nice space. You spent the whole day there. You're pretty yeah. comfortable. Whole day, yeah. yes. <laughs> I didn't get to take any naps though, <laughs> but yeah, it. I I We're think we're too you busy guys to are, take naps right now, anyways. But right, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you guys are 
really knocking it out of the park and especially a very interesting time with the cross pollination of residential and commercial with mm -hmm. with covid uh, it's part of it's probably just an incredibly happy accident um to find a silver lining on the covid cloud but um yeah to to combine to cross pollinate those two is is going to be really nice and and have a much more uh tailored and bespoke feel i guess that's the word to to a commercial space which interestingly when i started shooting things i wanted to focus more so on homes for some reason but as i got to shooting more commercial i started to realize oh, people spend far more time working than they do at home why do i want to focus on that and why would more money be spent or focus attention on a home than on a workspace if people are spending more time in the workspace. Right. It's just an interesting distribution of value that um, as, as I've been shooting workspaces now for 15 plus years, to see where the workspaces are now going compared to when I first started, or like you're saying, with ResMercial, it's, it's far more bespoke, tailored, and higher end, even on a, on a mediocre level. There's more attention to it you guys don't do mediocre, but on the average level of, of things, it's uh, what the leaders are doing is trickling down. What you guys are doing is trickling down into other things. So yeah, it's that's great. Nice I mean, even see. speaking from not, not Knickerbocker, but Maine, like we want to attract um, valuable employees. So people are moving out from the cities to here. And oh, it's amazing. Like so many people that I interact with that are living in cities at bigger firms, you know, like when no one else is around talking to, you know, it's like before the question was always, why do you want, why would you live in Maine? And I could never really answer it because I know any answer they couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. Like, even if I could explain it, they're not going to have the experiential uh, knowledge to draw from. And now it, it's all of us. COVID has made people reflect on it a little more and realize like there, there's benefits to living in cities and everything else. No denying that. But there's also this a major draw to the individual that's not incredibly consumed by their work, also having a balance of life and work. And I think Resumercial like really reflects that, like living in a more balanced way. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we hope so. Thank you so We're much for uh, making the trip down to lovely Biddeford in this nasty <laughs> weather we're having out here. <laughs> as long as it's nice for the weekend, right? Right. Is it yeah. supposed to be? It's all going to be okay. Okay, good, good. Good Better weekend. We need a little rain now and then. So True. thank you so much for coming yeah, down. Congratulations on a great workspace and uh, look forward to seeing your article in the January and February edition of Main Home Design, the interior design issue, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're excited as well. One. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks.